Welcome to Entering Storybrooke, a Once Upon a Time podcast, where we rewatch and analyze the ABC show. Before we begin, our podcast artwork was designed by Nickel Anarchy, and our theme song was created by Taylor Paisley French. Be aware, this podcast contains spoilers for the Once Upon a Time series. Welcome to Entering Storybrooke, an OUAT rewatch and analysis podcast. You're joined today by three disgraced knights of the round table turned swords for hire who have been cursed into believing that they are adult podcasters. Today we're looking at season two, episode three, The Lady of the Lake, written by Edward Kitsis, Adam Horwitz, Andrew Chambliss, and Ian Goldberg. Um, the episode was directed by Milan Shalov. Now, before anyone asks me notably on this day, I forgot. So just assume something terrible happened and some movie from October 2013 was playing. So just 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 fill in the dots for yourself. Do some research. Google it yourself. We can Google this right now. <laughs> but that's effort and we're already recording. Fine. You guys want it. I, I'll give it to you. Fine. I just Googled uh, it. Arlen Specter died. Wow. That's history. Damn. Okay. That's history right there. Arlen Specter was like a um, very important player in the passage of the Affordable Care Act. He like changed parties and everything. Yep. Wow. That that is something Carter specifically would know. <laughs> um. I just realized this is like the seaweed brainification of entering Storybrooke with special guest me. <laughs> so true. Let's bring a dynamic today, everybody. It sounds like it's time for a 60 second recap. I also forgot to set up the wheel. God damn, I am doing horribly today. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Robert's turn. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, it should be my turn because I forgot. Someone start me up a timer. Uh, I can pull it out. You got it, Carter? Yes. All right. Also, I want our listeners to know that we're recording on Saturday, October 29th, and Robert is here in full Percy Jackson cosplay. So just like pretend this is a visual medium. Imagine the gray streak, the 3D printed Riptide sword, etc. Mm. the aesthetic i am 25 and lame so i don't go to halloween parties it seems you instead record your uh side podcast <laughs> technically my main podcast and uh, uh that's a stitch i think is my side podcast really i think in a weird I feel way like, okay sure we can debate about this later side later. hustles main hustles um are you ready no but give it to me anyway i'll, I'll start when you start talking <laughs> Oh, all right. So the episode is essentially just about parents doing things for their kids. And for me, this is a really heart-wrenching episode. Holy shit. Um, the main uh, the main Enchanted Forest plot is that Emma and Mary Margaret are trying to find their way back to Storybrooke. Uh, and their plan is to go to the Enchanted Wardrobe that's in the Charming Castle. Cora also confuses them. And Lancelot's a player, except he's not because she killed him long ago. Um, and in Storybrooke, Henry is trying to help. And by help, I mean, putting himself in danger. He finds, uh, Regina's vault and tries to find a way to help them, but he instead finds a bunch of snakes. David actually had a good fight scene for once period. Yes. And, 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 and the episode ends with Cora collecting, I think the ashes of the wardrobe to make some sort of potion that I guess will help her get to Storybrooke. All right. That was 58. <laughs> nice I, job, Robert. I definitely did miss a few key moments, but we can just talk about that now. Yeah. I mean, I think you did a great job. You definitely summarized the main theme of the episode. Um, I feel like important for us to highlight is now we have these, our three plots, our A, B, and C plot. Two of them <laughs> are taking place in the Enchanted Forest. One of them taking place in present day. One of them as a flashback. And I have a question for you guys. Was I just like desperately imagining this or is the modern day enchanted story, enchanted forest plot, are all of those scenes taking place in like a slight sepia hue? Like is the coloring slightly different to help us separate the two worlds or did I just really, really want it to be different so that I could mentally separate them better? And I imagined a slight yellow haze over the present day scenes. I feel like you're right. I didn't notice this as I was watching it, but that sounds right. There, there's definitely like a different uh, visual quality to the the modern day Enchanted Forest scenes. Also, I mean, I should clarify that by saying like half of them take place in the extremely dark blue, completely CGI'd nursery. 
So I guess that doesn't count. Nursery. Yeah, a bunch of them take place on like this one open plane that is also really weirdly lit where they have that ogre fight and where Emma shoots a gun. <laughs> I love recording with y'all because y'all bring uh, uh, an expertise that I don't have. Noticing like, sepia. That's my <laughs> expertise. I have no fucking clue what Instagram sepia in is. Like. Yes, that's what the expertise is Instagram early days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 2012 Instagram was a wild time. I literally was talking to my sister who is 30 and she was like, I didn't have an Instagram until I was a sophomore in college. And I was like, whoa, our difference in upbringing is wild. Wild. Yeah. That's our sense that's of where self, the generational divide is. <laughs> yeah. That is really when they say like millennial versus Gen Z, I was like, oof, this is, this is where it applies. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I should definitely ask my sister who is 33 when she made hers. Cause I know she has an Instagram. So she checks like once a week just to check out the raccoon memes I sent her. Yeah. Ask her if she can identify Jakarta from Valencia and then you would know. <laughs> okay. Um, where should we go with this? There are so many ways we should go. I say we start at the beginning when we thought a very good put. Damn it. I did not want to make the reference. You did it first. It was Carter, uh, not me. <laughs> technically, it was Carter the entire way around. Um, damn it. Now I want to listen to now I want to sound music. I was the kind of kid who uh, for Christmas, sophomore year of high school or junior or junior high school, uh, I asked for Christmas for the Sound of Music soundtrack. Aww. That is adorable. And also, I have never once said to myself, wow, I really want to listen to the Sound of Music. It's a good... Sometimes I'll just be sitting there and I'll be thinking about like, do a deer, a female deer. I can't sing right now. My voice is... Ugh. But... Um, no, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I literally have contemplated the the virtue of starting a podcast solely to talk about the uh, progressive history of Oscar Hammerstein II and Richard Rogers, but I, Sound of Music is not my favorite. Really, I think it has like two good songs, and it's like plot-wise a little strange, but also okay, an enduring work of cinema history. Um, which which two songs, Carter? This is very important. Every time I hear Edelweiss, I do cry. Okay, this is true because it was my grandpa's favorite song. Oh, I was gonna go the actual titular Sound of Music, and um. I guess, yeah, I think Edelweiss is probably the other one. Edelweiss, it really, like, I think depending on the day, I will either, like, roll my eyes or sob. Um, when I tell you that Sansei Japanese people love Edelweiss, there's no, I cannot explain <laughs> it to you, but it's very important to us. <laughs> anyway. So, so I, 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 we have no love for my favorite things, I see. Okay. Um. <laughs> This is the my favorite tangent <laughs> we've ever gone down on Edric's storybook. I didn't we know you were a sound of music stan, Robert. We didn't even... We're, all right, let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start where... You know what where, the similar themes are? Family. 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 Found yes, family. Family. Mothers. What it means to be a mother. Putting your children first in the face of the Nazi occupation of Austria. Or Cora. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Um, I completely forgot this is the episode we that we meet and then also lose Lancelot. <laughs> Literally, what is going on with that? Especially since Horribly I remember, <laughs> since I definitely remember there being a Camelot season, and I I just assumed he was in that season. I didn't know he died. I completely forgot. Totally separate. Yeah, Lancelot is. Um, <laughs> no one else from Camelot is here. No one else from Camelot is mentioned. Although I think Lancelot maybe does a little quick aside where he shouts out having an affair with Guinevere, but like no one is named, no one is pictured. He's just like a standalone. This is post Camelot for him. Um, he was disgraced from I the really round table. Don't. I don't understand the value that he's bringing to this. I guess it's like kind of Not cool that there's a tie-in, but like this could be anyone. The role that Lancelot fills here is just person to, I guess, highlight Snow's history in the Enchanted Forest so that there's a through mm. line between the flashback scenes and the modern day Enchanted Forest scenes to highlight this dynamic where Snow may or may not know things and have connections that Emma does not have so that she can, 
you know, emphasize the differences in their dynamic and how she's the mother now and also has expertise that we did not see in Mary Margaret because Mary Margaret is um, Mary Margaret, a different type of person than Snow White. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it really, it could have been any prince. <laughs> yeah. Anyone good with a sword who would have is... been hired out to the king. Is he a prince? I thought he was just a knight of the round table. Yeah, I think Sorry, right. I said prince meaning like man in armor holding uh, sword. That's yeah. all I meant. My apologies. Old timey <laughs> authority figure parentheses male. Yeah. 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 My th- th- this is I think I said it in an earlier episode, you know, one of the two episodes we've done this season so far where I'm like they start bringing in characters in the timeline of uh Snow White and Prince Charming's relationship where I'm like there's no way they met all these people in this amount of time. <laughs> right like between marriage and yeah. the curse like they definitely i remember later seasons they'll be like oh yeah prince charming met elsa while he was searching for snow white i'm like when when the hell was it supposed to happen <laughs> a day in their lives is wild they meet at least 15 brand new storybook characters every single day did yeah. we actually describe the flashback enchanted forest storyline for the for the listeners yet I don't think I got to it. It's just yeah. essentially it's not yeah, it's just super yeah. interesting, but in like my least favorite part of the episode. In 15 seconds, what happens is um uh what happens? David's mom gets shot, or I shouldn't say David. Charming's mom gets shot by an arrow that is poisoned. So they go on a quest together to find this lake. Um, which you might remember from season one. This is the lake of Catherine um and healing her like Midas touch frozen um boyfriends do we all remember this like charming like kills yeah, a siren vaguely. in the lake anyway it's the same lake they're going to the lake to try and find water to heal um charming's mom but instead she insists that lancelot who is there helping them kind of um but also kind of working for the king who also is trying to kill everybody um as an act of revenge <laughs> um the king being charming's adopted father this is not very streamlined as narration anyway um the, the central plot that happens is that charming's I forgot to mention this. Charming's dad, adoptive father, who is evil, like poisons Snow such that she can't have King kids anymore. King Buzzcut. King Buzzcut, yes. That is, <laughs> I saw that in the outline before this. Because I do not I, know his name and I hate his hair. Not the actor. I just don't understand why production he, didn't he's give him everywhere. Away. Why is he everywhere? What do I know him from besides this? Was he in Lost? I'll, I'll IMDb, keep going. Um, anyway, so King Buzzcut uh, poisons Snow such that she she can't have children, and he goes on this whole, like, screed about how this is the worst thing to ever happen to somebody, and you will know my pain. Uh, and um, Charming's actual mom gets shot by a poison arrow, and then they go to the lake to get water to heal her. There's only one sip worth of water in the lake, and Charming's mom coordinates with Lancelot to trick them and have Snow drink the healing water instead of her because she really thinks it's more important that snow be able to have biological children than that she um live i think that's it right are we missing anything (laughs) i think that's the strokes unless eric is about to say something um the actor's name is alan dale and he has Mm. in fact been in everything including uh the winter soldier um he plays like a you know like a suit guy in that um he was in like ncis um he's been in absolute like the oc um star trek many many things he's a dynasty yeah. <laughs> oh really like Damn, the original dynasty. from the 80s no 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 the 2017 one okay i was no i was on the, <laughs> I, I was on the same page as carter oh, oh really? he's daniel mead that's what i know him from <laughs> got it Wow. I love like Carter and I were on the same page. The 80s one? No, no, the 2017 one. Absolutely um, storied career, this man. Wow. Yeah. He was really fucking good at Ugly Betty and playing basically the same character. <laughs> and in this, it's, he plays a king with no wig, no crown, just a random t-shirt in a CGI palace with no furniture. Okay. I'm a broken record. We've talked exactly about this Exactly one table, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would like to applaud the uh, the effects artist of of um, Once Upon a Time for having the one CGI room with actual furniture that we've seen, which is Emma's nursery. Shout out to that. Shout Although out to that. Although it is so dark, I cannot see anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, there's yeah. this cart this is gonna be another side tangent real quick there's this cartoon that i'm a really big fan of it's called ben 10 alien force and a lot of the backgrounds are drawn completely like pitch black so it looks like the characters will be like walking in front of pitch black and occasionally because of a fight or because of one of ben's aliens light will happen there will be light there'll be fire and it lights up the background which means they drew a background and then blacked it out and it pisses me off to this day. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we got, we got, I think, Charming's best fight scene so far. I have to agree. This fight scene really did stand out to me. It it takes place in the Enchanted Forest in the flashback. It's like five on one King Buzzcut's men versus Charming. Um, it's, it's got broadsword action. Like it's got right away he ducks and one of the King's men like crossbows another King's men right in the heart. He straight up snaps someone's neck. Um, there's a lot of shaky cam and whatnot. It's really enjoyable. Shout out to 2012. Shout out to yeah. 2012. <laughs> it was violent. I, this is definitely not the first time we've seen Charming in a situation where he has to fight more than one person. The pilot, for example, he fought like yeah. three of the Queen's Knights before. But he, that was pretty silly like, looking. Yeah, pretty silly looking. This is the first time where they're like, hey, what if we actually have some fight choreograph? Choreography, you got it. Choreography, there we go. Almost had it. I always say choreography. It's okay. Choreography. Yeah, it's giving like season two, the actors are way more comfortable with weaponry. There's a learning curve there. It looks great. Also, while we're on the flashback, and since we were talking about Lance a lot, I straight up forgot the plot of this episode. And so when I saw the episode title, I assumed that because Lancelot was involved, there was going to be something more having to do with the Lady of the Lake. Because oh, that's a game. <laughs> yeah, that's a Camelot thing. Or like at the very least, in my mind, spam a lot. Um, <laughs> and so I was confused because I'm pretty sure it wasn't even Lancelot who suggested the lake. Isn't it David? He was like, I've been David here before. David knows about it yeah. because David killed the siren of the lake in season one. Yeah. Exactly. Who also was so not like, like the lady of the lake either. Like, I think we're kind of nope. mixing separate lake, maybe. Yeah. So is the episode called the lady of the lake just because of Lancelot's presence? I don't know. It just was a little confusing. I think maybe the lady of the lake is just like, you know, hey, you know that lady, you know, the siren, you shouldn't have killed her. Now it's not a lake anymore. I guess. Is she supposed like, that's not clear to me if she is supposed to be the titular lady of the lake, but it's not, I don't know who else it would be. Is but she's like mom. literally not in the episode. <gasps> <laughs> supposed to be the metaphorical lady of the lake because she technically gives the magic to snow uh, which i would like to now discuss because this made me so wildly uncomfortable i have oh rarely been more uncomfortable watching an episode of this show yeah. and i know this is my own personal feelings that like i have to sit with and work through no but no no no, no 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 you're right she, okay so she there's only enough water right there's just a tiny little droplet of water left in the lake and this magic is either going to save Charming's mom's life or it is going to fix the curse that was placed on Snow by King Buzzcut to not be able to have children. And Snow like doesn't want to talk about this, right? This is her own personal business. At this point, she doesn't want to share this information. She's not sure what's going on. And the Charming's mom is like really pressuring her into being like, I'm so happy, like on my deathbed. And we previously loved Charming's mom, but she's like on her deathbed being like, you need to have kids. I can't wait for you to have kids. Like, I'm so excited that my son, like, all my son has ever, this is the phrasing of it. All he has ever wanted, my son, is to get married and have a child. Okay? This is not snow. I'm so happy for you that you will get to be a mother. It's I have only ever wanted for my son to have a child. And that literally makes me, like, vomit. You've met this woman. <laughs> I probably like Definitely. maybe you have not had this conversation with this woman because you have not been so cursed to be the person who potentially could birth the children that she so desires. But she's around. She's everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. And I just feel so bad for Snow because she is so uncomfortable and she's doing her best to take care of this dying woman who's about to become her mother-in-law and also doesn't want to share this like personal information about herself. Ends up telling her because she has to because mm -hmm. of the little pendulum thing that was, yeah. you know, enchanted to tell her what the sex of her baby would be. Um, and then, like, it seems for a moment that they agree that Snow is like, no, you will not give me this water. The potential of me having a baby is not equivalent to the importance of you staying alive. 
But then we find out in the end that due to some kind of Lancelot scheming oh with Charming's mom, yeah, she does end up not drinking the water and then giving it to Snow. So she literally dies. Dies. D- R.I.P. And also does not like Snow does not consent to this, you know? Yeah. She's drugging Snow in a way. If you, you know, like you one might analogize analogize this to, you know, a doctor removing an IUD from you without telling you. Um and then also um killing somebody. And then also you are responsible for the death of your husband's mother for the rest of your life. That is hanging over your head. Is she going to tell Charming? No, I think he knows. Doesn't he find out? Not in this episode. Not in this episode. Do we all know? Not to, not to whatever, like, I'm whatever. Not, not to reference Crazy Rich Asians or anything, but like. (laughs) Really not. Kevin Kwan, you did that. There's property at the end of that. Like in the legendary Mahjong scene, I'm talking about the film adaptation, of course. Um, Of course. (laughs) You know, Constance Wu delivers this line where she's like, no one can win in this situation. Like, you have set up a situation where if I end up with this guy, it will be because I, like, defeated his mother to do it. And then we'll never be happy. Like, this is this is a doomed setup. And that is exactly what's happening. This woman is doing, like, the opposite, where she's like, you... Like, I'm going to kill myself to give you the ability to have kids. Which probably you want, I guess. <laughs> it's not the ability. It's not to give you the ability to have kids. It's to give, give my, my son, son what he has always dreamed of, which is to have a wife and a baby. You can adopt. I yeah, just... you can. Okay, not according to the creators of the show, though. Obviously, no, that's, oh, yeah. that's so important to this because when we talk about this, it's not just it's like in the context of the show being rapidly rapidly anti-adoption and it's also in the context of the parallel narratives that we get from the three different arcs of this episode right the other two arcs are closely paralleled in their message that what a parent does is they put their child first parenthood is about feeling a connection to your child that is so deep that you will sacrifice things and make choices that are only understandable from the specific lens of a parent and the implication is that that is what snow's mother or rather, that's what Charming's mother is doing, and that is also something that she is allowing Snow to experience. That without her noble sacrifice, Snow will never be able to understand this magic of parenting. And especially also given the context that the villain of the this flashback Enchanted Forest arc, and to a lesser extent the coming arc in Storybrooke, is Charming's adoptive father who is abusive mm, and terrible. Wow. I didn't pick up on that. (laughs) It's definitely supposed to be a parallel. Thank God Snow was able to, you know, like, conceive a child in her uterus and birth it into the world. Not to mention the Sebastian Stan of it all, because he's also in this episode. Oh, yes. And Henry has a whole conversation with him where he's like, you have to go and get your daughter because I, too, was abandoned. And she'll spend the rest of her life wondering why. (sighs) So it really is. Yeah, it's really all circling. I think it's a different story, Henry. Your mom actually gave you up. He sort of got tricked into going to Wonderland. It is a slightly different story. And also that moment did make me tear up. But also, also, it is good to recognize that there is a little wee bit of an anti-adoption thread going on here, (laughs) as we have noticed in the past several episodes. Uh, Oh, man. Um, I (laughs) I would like to bring up... So, Aurora's plot for the episode is that she's so thoroughly convinced that Emma, that Mary Margaret and Emma are the reason that Philip died. So once they set on their quest to find the wardrobe in the charming castle, she just pops out of nowhere and like pulls a knife and puts it up to Mar- uh, to Mary Margaret's neck. And Mary Ma- Margaret <laughs> judo flips her. Yes. And Not says, one Not second today. lost. <laughs> Get <laughs> over <laughs> yourself. As I wrote in the notes, don't move. Philip is gone because of you. Mary Margaret proceeds to flip a potato sack over her shoulder and it turns into Aurora. Um, Aurora, this woman I cannot stand. Mm. This episode, I, you know, I'm of so many minds with this because Aurora is irritating, but it is... I also feel like the showrunners really find so many creative and new ways to introduce someone and be like, this is the most feminine person in the frame 
and let me show you why this person is frail, useless, insufferable, self-obsessed. Annoying. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Emma. Everything is about to complain. Go, go, go. You're no, talking, I, go. Because I feel like in a lot of other scenes back in um, Storybrooke, that person is Mary Margaret. And it's so wild that as soon as, like, as soon as Mary Margaret is not the like most princessy princess in the yep, frame, she like, gets a sword, she she's becomes, wearing pants, she has her bow. Yes, she's wearing pants, short hair, physically dominant, like bow and arrow, judo flips. And like also like lecturing Aurora about how she <laughs> doesn't know what she's doing. And she's not today, girly. It's it's uh, really wild. <laughs> yeah, just to tack on to that, when she, when they're walking and she's complaining about being cold, Emma hands her her jacket and she's like, here you go, just wear my jacket, it's fine. You know, you, you almost killed my mom, but, you know, it's whatever. And she's like, what kind of corset what is corset this? What corset is this? Yeah. <laughs> Born sexy yesterday, baby. <laughs> Do we think Emma's into that? Maybe. Emma did want to show off her black tank top in that moment. Let's be clear. That was a calculated move on Emma Swan's She's like, I had, a, I had like a really good back day at the gym. I need to show it off. Yeah. I feel like she does have a... She, she You know, her back looks strong. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Margaret definitely passed down those uh, failed rock climbing jeans, but like Emma actually does know how to rock climb. That's my headcanon. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I would like to call attention because in my mind, it automatically did like the handshake meme back away from my daughter handshake, not my daughter, you bitch. (laughs) Yeah. That was exactly the energy where she Mm. slowed way down. There's a beat between every word she says. Um, (laughs) general Shrek is there just like letting her say it. Carter, this is reminding me of that time that we did Secret Santa presents at your house and we put every single ribbon onto you and made a Lady Gaga costume for you. That was second A. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> we tied like every single ribbon on your head. Okay. Yeah. They really that that's I, I giggled. I um did pause and laugh out loud. Mm. It's it's really ridiculous, but I guess they had to give her the moment. Um yeah, th- this, th- this there's a scene in the Enchanted Forest where an ogre shows up. Uh, and General Shrek. General Shrek, yes. Uh, because <laughs> it's night and there are ogres roaming about. Um, it's kind of Aurora's fault uh, because she's screaming. Um, Emma makes it worse by shooting a gun, uh, which aggr- like attracts it closer or something, right? And then Mary Margaret yeah, has to... Yeah, they hunt by sound. They hunt by sound, yes. Which is something that Mary Margaret knows, and she also knows that you have to kill the ogre by shooting in the eye, which she does with an arrow. And we also know that Emma's never going to respect her mom until she sees her display, like, brute force yes. and also, like, Physical technical prowess. skills. <laughs> yes. Because that's the only way we can respect women. The the scene where she's like, when when was the last time you fired a bow, or fired a bow and arrow? 28 years ago. Reminds me of the scene from Percy <laughs> Jackson. like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah it reminds me of the scene from percy jackson where per, or sally shoots a monster with a gun and he's like when did you learn how to use a shotgun 10 seconds ago yeah no but the delivery is different sally jackson would never deliver the line the way jennifer goodwin does not me shading jennifer goodwin too hard but a little bit me shading jennifer goodwin really hard because <laughs> i think she did what the character called for but also the delivery is like a little <laughs> unhinged and I have to physically recoil away from my computer sometimes when she delivers the line. Like the line about riding a bike. Yeah. Although, when we get to the nursery, oh, in the yeah, present-day enchanted forest plot, I think this is really this is really one of the best scenes we've gotten, I want to say. Mm. Um and it's it's long, right? Because first it's Mary, Margaret, and Emma, and then Cora Lancelot shows up, who ends up being Cora. There's a little fight, like Aurora and Mulan show back up, Aurora and Mulan leave. But really the heart of this like through line is Emma seeing the life that she didn't have and also feeling the love that her parents felt for her. And also Mary Margaret feeling the loss that she didn't have of being able to raise her child. And so there's these two like incredibly like painful moments of longing. Um, And sure, we're happy that they're together now, but there's this 28 years that they both lost. um, And it's, it's really, it it hits really hard because we know the characters so well at this point. 
And we actually see Emma for the first time, I think, since she realized and came to accept that Mary Margaret is her mom. We see her overcoming that hurdle for the very first time in her entire life of believing that her parents didn't not love her, even though they gave her up. Because even at this point, she was like, what you like in the second episode that we just talked about, she literally says to Mary Margaret, like, you put me in that wardrobe, but I was alone. Like you failed to think about what it would be like for me growing up alone. And in this moment, she really like forgives her, understands that it really was out of love. I'm not used to someone putting me first. Oh, Oh my God. That hit so hard. (sighs) My therapist will be hearing about this later this week. So true. If I had a therapist, she would be hearing about that hug, (laughs) that shot of the two of them hugging in which you see just Emma's shoulder over Mary Margaret's and her mascara is running down her face. Vulnerability. I also want to point out this thing you wrote in the, in the, in the notes, which made me laugh. Cora has been posing as Lancelot, has been posing as Lancelot this whole time. Rut row, narrow escape, but they set the wardrobe on fire. It's the rut row for me. Rut row. I'm not used to someone putting me first. And what does Snow say in response to that? Get used to it. Well, get used to it. No. Oh my God. That I can't even begin to. Oh God, it's so emotional. I already cried a bunch when I watched the episode. I'm not going to cry again. Yeah, I don't know. The A, B, and C plot structure for this section, I think, has its good moments and it has its bad moments. But the choice to put Emma and Snow on a side quest alone with each other for this many episodes right after the discovery of their actual relationship, I think, really works and makes so much sense and pays off. We get just the right amount of them finding their new dynamic together and just the right amount of them going back through their feelings that they had leading up to this and the history that led them there because of these opportunities to, you know, like see what Mary Margaret was like in the Enchanted Forest and see the wardrobe and the nursery and everything. I, yeah, this, this scene is, I think the, the, the strongest in the episode by far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the strongest scenes between the two of them that we get, Ever, I want to say. Yeah. The only other thing that struck out to me about the Enchanted Forest stuff was this. Um, with, at the beginning of the episode, when um, Emma and Snow originally meet Cora, mm. um, I feel like that... <laughs> It was really interesting to me to see Snow get up in there and be like, no, I know this woman. However bad you think Regina is, she's worse. She's the reason why. Mm-hmm. That was a really love- interesting backstory. To see, like, Snow have, like, a really strong concept of that. And mm. to hear her vocalize things about Regina this way, I just found really yeah. fascinating. And in- I love that, too. I, I loved Cora's line where she's like, don't worry, I'm not as evil as my daughter. The apple fell, fell very far from the tree. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm like, aha, uh-huh, yes, yes, lie. Lie directly to the main characters. Be the antagonist you're meant to be. Yeah, but it made me think about those all those scenes we get with Bailey Madison. Like, Jennifer Goodwin is a good actress and did her homework and really paid attention to what was going on with her character as a kid (laughs) and, you know, the conversations that she had with Regina and with Cora as a little girl. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I... Let's see. What else can we talk about? Should we cover some dislikes? (laughs) I think we all highlighted and, and standed out already the one good charming action scene i would not be surprised if this is the only one the only good one for like the rest of the series i love the action sequence it was a real highlight of the episode for me it was short and sweet well done uh well choreographed it wasn't like too fast where you couldn't actually see anything happening i also loved snow white's enchanted forest look during the flashback scenes. Oh my God. It's so good. It's this white writing outfit, but she also has this huge hairdo going on with like braids and buns and all kinds of things. And she has the very soft, like very regal snow white makeup where she's got big fluttery eyelashes and some eyeliner. And she also has like the very bright red soft lips that make her look like fairy tale snow white. 
Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Wait, I just realized there is one. There's a, it's a small scene in this episode. It's two small scenes in this episode. Really a scene in a line. But in order for Henry, Henry finds out that Regina's vault is in Storybrooke. So, she, so he's like, I'm going to sneak into it and try and find something that'll get Emma and Mary Margaret back. Yeah. To get the keys to the vault, he calls Regina and she's in the middle of resigning oh. and emptying out her office. This was sad. And she drops everything to answer. She sees who's calling. She answers. And she's like, oh, my God, Henry, hi. Yeah, you know, I'm emptying out my, my office. It's they, they want me to step down. You want to you wanna go get lunch at Granny's? Ten minutes? Yes, of course. She drops everything and she starts walking over to Granny's. And Henry just, like, steals her keys. And then the other moment is when is when David yep. saves Henry from the two snakes in the vault. Mm-hmm. He's like, your mom called me and told me yeah. that you like ditched on you ditched on the lunch and that her keys were missing. So she put two and two together. But she's not here because she doesn't want she doesn't want to like force herself on you. She doesn't want to be here if you don't want her to be here. And I'm like, oh my God, that is so heartbreaking. He says, I believe she knew you wouldn't go with her if she came. So she asked me to come. Yeah. God damn. It's such a small but powerful moment. And it's like, it's, you know, Regina is going through her, her arc of trying to better herself and all that, all that jazz. But it's a very powerful moment because this isn't the Regina centered episode. Regina, I think that's her only scene in the entire episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so. It really yeah. does center or point up to us as viewers her growth mm. and that she is changing. Yeah. God fucking yeah. emotional. This she really episode. goes through it. And I think yeah. that's um, you know, important. And for us to have a show that is meaningfully about, you know, parents and children and what they owe to each other and what that relationship can look like in different forms you really have to like such a crucial component of that is the ability of children to like destroy their parents that like (laughs) that no one will be able to hurt like like that like henry does not just exist there as like a passive object to be like harmed or kidnapped or stolen to get at regina that like henry (laughs) through his own volition can like fuck her up (laughs) that like he knows how to that like he will do things that will really harm her because at times he will be selfish and confused and um and instrumentalize she underst- her she understands this she's like yeah it hurts and yeah i know why he did it but i'm not gonna go and find him i'm not gonna i'm gonna like keep the distance that he wants because i believe in the last episode or the episode before she was like i can't force you to stay with me so you know i want you to come to me when you want especially with the context of that she's probably a little more upset that she's like oh he didn't want to hang out with me to hang out with me he wanted to trick me to get my keys oh my god (sighs) yeah henry's becoming a little person (laughs) a little per henry's (laughs) developing a personality and that personality is being a rapscallion it's being a manipulative little criminal (laughs) oh boy (laughs) things we disliked um I think I, I covered my bases with the uh, Charming's mom uh, situation. And also, what was going on with Mulan's hair in this episode? Really weird poof. Didn't like it. Not a fan. <laughs> Big poof that kept deflating throughout the episode. I saw that and I was like, that's going to deflate. And then it did. <laughs> Maybe it's a metaphor where her strength is deflated. Or I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to make, listen, make up. Her strength is not deflating. She is consistent. She's consistently kicking ass. I just, listen, makeup and hair is a very uh, important department when it comes to any production, but also, I don't know what else to say. I'm, this is not my expertise. Someone with the 2012 <laughs> expertise uh, from Instagram, please, please, please speak up. Carter, Robert, any uh, things you want to point up um, out of haterism? Out of the haterism. I think we've already talked about everything. Charming's mom. Um, that was awful um she really went from fan favorite to my enemy yeah i i really listen it's not it's not fair to make fun of the cgi budget of a television show but that ogre was oh shout out to the ogre my favorite part about this show is the cgi not gonna lie yeah it's it's fun reminds me of a better time in life 
a better time in life. 2013 was a good year, wasn't it? I think that my my hater moment, unfortunately, like I don't hate everything about this character, but my like number one hater moment was um Jennifer Goodwin's line deliveries right around the killing of the ogre. I'm sorry. The bicycle um, line. The bicycle line where she's like feigning surprise and it's like higher. Like she delivers the line like in head voice and there's like a slight tilt and a pause where she goes, huh. And then there's a beat. No. I guess it's like writing a Don't line. take the beat. You don't have to. Why, who are you? Who is this for? Like, wh- I don't understand who this performance is for. It's for. I mean, I guess it's for the patriarchy within. Perhaps it yeah. is for like the assumption that Emma like will have certain values. And, Shout like, out to ways the patriarchy. Of understanding this, I did not care for it. Shout out to Bow and Arrow. You cannot be crumpled up like the gun the ogre got. The ogre crumpled up. Uh, shout out to Bow and Arrow. Very good, long lasting, long range weapon that's been around for the X amount of time. I'm not going to pretend like I know when the Bow and Arrow was invented. Shout out to the the world building of the Enchanted Forest, really separating the dimensions, saying that uh, guns will not be working here. Quote, unquote, that kind of thing doesn't work here. (laughs) Mm. I I think that's something else I can point out, something else I hate. When Mulan is holding the gun and she's like, is it magic? And Emma's like, depends on how you use it. I'm like, oh, not the pro gun gun propaganda. Oof. Didn't even hear that one. Yeah. Not the pro-gun propaganda. You stop that, Emma. She is a cop. She's literally a cop. (laughs) Ah, I keep forgetting she's the sheriff. And I forget she's the sheriff because she hasn't been the sheriff in three episodes. Wait, okay. That's another thing that we... I think we mentioned this before. The fact that David is now the sheriff sheriff? because of who? Because of why? Did anyone say... Was he elected into the sheriff office i believe there is literally like a fiefdom going on in maine in 2012 <laughs> apparently like people are just like disappearing from offices because people don't want me there the new sheriff is just the old sheriff's dad that she found two days ago who also she did not appoint to the position because she was um, he was the deputy away. no he yeah. wasn't wait was he no he wasn't he was yeah, the he was. Guy he was just volunteering like, at the animal shelter in season yeah. one. <laughs> he was Wait, volunt- I thought he started working for Emma. No, did I, I don't make think that so. up? You probably did. You probably did, Bestie. I'm okay, sorry. To tell sorry. You <laughs> I'm tr- I'm genuinely trying to remember because they completely drop any jobs anybody had other than like Emma, who was the sheriff, gets dropped after season one because everyone gets their memories back. They're like, okay, why do I give a fuck about being a nun? Why do I give a fuck about working in an animal shelter? Blah blah blah. Yeah, but it, it, it is fun. Uh, oh, uh, also, no, Mary Margaret, I believe, does return to being a teacher. Shout out to Mary Margaret teaching the never aging kids of Storybrooke. Yeah. Any uh, fan time moments before we close out? Uh, why was the only surviving drop of water in Lake? I know the name of this goddamn like it was written down somewhere here. Lake starts with a K. Uh, I wrote it down. Thank you, Erica. You are doing uh, you, you you are doing the the Lord's work, specifically the Lord, that singular Lord. Like Nostos, there we go. That's what it is. Um, th- th- just the one singular drop of water chilling out in a seashell, some sort of fossilized seashell, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, that's just a thing. Oh, we also forgot to mention that Lancelot had that moment where he was like, in God's grace, something, something. Oh, The yeah. Christianity moment. Yeah. Because the Knights of the Round Table were like, kind of maybe Christian, but also maybe like pagans who had witchcraft and worshipped other deities. Which makes but me also wonder... Which makes me, again, I would like to present to, I guess, the round table, how many religions exist in the Enchanted Forest? Because we've had many people say, like, praise the gods or, you know, some, something along those lines, but emphasizing gods, like plural, a polytheistic uh, religion. But then we also have Lancelot out here being like, hey, that one true god, capital G, my boy, can you bless us, please? I mean, we do Seems also like- meet Hades a few seasons down the line. So this is also true. <laughs> so I guess it's just like it's just you know what? Maybe this is where Rick got inspiration, even though it was like seven years after he wrote Lightning Thief, <laughs> where where he's like, all of them exist at the same time, but don't ask about capital G God. I'm not answering that question. 
I feel like the different regions within the Enchanted Forest have different religious beliefs. Which is weird because the only one that we, I guess, know canonically is true is the Greek religion of the of the poly the polytheistic religion of the Greeks, where they're just like there's a, a Greek underworld, and but it also Zeus doesn't exists. follow the rules of the Greek underworld. Like people just like go there. People like go to heaven in that if they like finish their unfinished business in the like it's the world building. I think really quickly falls apart on this <laughs> axis. I mean, like if we're talking about like who is like most truly Christian. Shout out to Eunice Peer, not shout out to Eunice Peer, but like. <laughs> hey, we love Eunice Peer. That was our freshman year social studies teacher. Mm. Like Snow White is someone who should really be Christian way more than Lancelot, who like maybe like to the extent that Camelot is something that we could tie to a specific period of time would have been around the period of time when um, Christianity was first being introduced by the Anglo-Saxons into um into um britain right to like the like celts and other people who were like there as like indigenous occupants of the land and did not believe in these things right i just feel like it's strange but i guess the brothers grim fairy tales don't really talk that much explicitly about christianity even though like that is the strong 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 context for everything that happens i (laughs) swear they talk a lot about that in i think it's the original telling of sleeping beauty Oh really? I believe was the I Sleeping believe, Beauty a Grimm story? Yes, I believe. Yeah, I believe this, it is. Um, I believe. Yeah. So even though Disney made it French, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just recorded whatever the popular tales were of the time for like yeah, German no, culture. I could. Swear so they were the influenced t- by whatever, however Christian Germany was at the time. There's some Christian teaching about like Aurora getting pregnant in her sleep and like that's supposed to be okay by god or something i don't there's something really fucked up about that's supposedly what the the intention of that story was and the like childbirth prevails all or some shit like that um really something like that i'll have to i remember i read something i'll have to look for it but yeah so uh where the fuck were we that we just went down the tangent of religion i think we're talking about lancelot yeah things we love and hate he's just like my boy god thank you for blessing us yeah uh i do think we should shout out the fact that this is the first actor of color we've had in the show in a long time literally besides as far as i can remember sydney the mirror and mulan the mm. warrior and he um he died off screen (laughs) yeah and like i mean on one hand i was really glad to find out he wasn't like secretly manipulating everybody this whole time (laughs) and that he actually was just dead uh and it was cora um (laughs) i don't know uh i feel like with the other characters though like we have a clear detail like up until this point it really seemed like race was a meaningful construct in the context of this show though like mulan is from yeah. somewhere else and they really let you know that she's from somewhere else and sydney, sydney is also, is from, also somewhere from somewhere else yeah like northern africa and that's like a big part of his story um with lancelot i guess like we don't really know frankly anything about his history or the world of camelot as it pertains to the show at this point nothing yep so it could be anything and we do end up casting a black merlin but mm. a white Arthur, I think, right? Am I getting this right? I'm like 90% sure. Um, anyway, but like at this point, it's it's just it's just placed there for us without, um, I don't know. Yeah. We still are learning how uh, race and ethnicity functions in the world of the enchanted forest. Because it's really been 99% white people up until yeah. now. <laughs> they believe in multiple different religions, but it is mainly white people. That's... Some of the oh, white people weird. have ethnicities. Did we notice this also? Like, Geppetto has an accent. He's, like, from Italy. But, like, the <laughs> <laughs> Grim Fairy Tale characters are, like, Americans. <laughs> and let's not forget Belle. Oh, and Belle! Who is Australian. French people are Australian, <laughs> yes! See, it's all coming together. It's all coming together, guys. Belle is Australian and whose dad is also Australian. Huh, okay. France is well, Australia. <laughs> Italy is a small portion of the Enchanted Forest. And just on the outskirts of the Enchanted Forest is Northern Africa and also China. And China. <laughs> and that's how it works. And don't ask me where the Chinese food in Storybrooke is coming from. 
it's just l- l- let's just say it's uh oh fuck what's the name of that like really crappy uh like fast food chinese food place panda Some, something panda. do not panda, panda express. express do not <laughs> don't do disparage not. the orange chicken it's not chinese do food but what not. it is is excellent my childhood <laughs> <laughs> let's just l- l- listen it's the only one that can make sense they call it oh you guys want to go get chinese and you're thinking like oh it's like an authentic chinese place, and it's just pan, pan express and it's like yeah that makes sense for storybrook yeah <laughs> final thoughts anybody we're really excellent episode uh this has been great i therapeutic therapeutic but also my therapist is gonna definitely she's gonna be like yeah so i got sad over another over another piece of media that involves dead parents and she's like stop watching media with dead parents it's not good for you to remind yourself that you have a dead parent and i'm like oh no one told me that i told you that many fucking times processing grief through television what is love if not exactly watching television what is love <laughs> if not grief persevering? Yeah. I feel like, okay, just very briefly, Cora in this episode is iconic. I really like her. I, the, I mean, obviously legendary actress, but she's doing a great job giving us something that is like a little different than she's giving us, given us up until this point, which is that feeling that we had with season one Regina, where we were actually in awe of this woman's power and her ubiquity and actually meaningfully confused and surprised and like a little bit clutching something as you're watching because she really could be anywhere at any time and you have a sense that like no one can actually check her or say shit to her because she is just better and more capable than everyone. I miss that dynamic. And she really yeah. excels in her very formal classical delivery um, as she plays this Absolutely. role. Absolutely. Also, $10 word. Nice use of ubiquity, Carter. (laughs) That's all I got. That's all we got. As always, if you want to support entering Storybrooke, you can do so by heading over to Instagram at StorybrookePod, which is also the same on Twitter. And of course, let your friends know about entering Storybrooke so we can get more people to tune in because we're going to be doing this for a long while. So be sure to stay tuned. If you have to choose between saving a person's life or having biological children you should save a person's life